0: customarily do, let's let us stand in for the reading of God's word in honor and reverence of it. Mark chapter 4 and our text for this morning will be in verses 21 to 25. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? Let's pray. Father, we commit our time to you now, and we just do ask that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts eager to receive your word. Minister to each and every heart this morning. Change us for your glory. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There's a familiar story about a husband and wife who were having issues communicating, and the husband concluded that his wife was becoming hard of hearing. And so he decided to conduct the test without her knowing it. One evening, he sat in a chair on the far side of the room, and her back was to him so she couldn't see him. And in a low voice, just above a whisper, he said, can you hear me? There was no response, right? So moving a little closer and a little louder this time, he asked again, can you hear me now? Still no reply. So quietly, he edged closer and repeated the words again just a bit louder, but still no answer. Finally, he moved right behind where his wife was sitting and said in a loud voice, can you hear me now? The wife turned around with annoyance on her face, respond for the fourth time, yes. It's funny because of the irony of it, and it happens all too often where we believe the problem is with someone else, and we fail to recognize the problem may lie with ourselves. In this case, the husband assumes the problem in their communication was his wife, and in fact, he had the problem of hearing. The moral of the story is fitting because this is the issue that Jesus speaks to in our text. And specifically, he speaks to this problem of hearing before the word of God. Hearing is what's in mind in this section. In this chapter alone, the word listen or hear appears 12 different times. And in our passage, there are two exhortations along those lines. In these verses, Jesus, the Son of God, is in, is underscoring the importance to hear attentively and to listen responsively to the teaching and the proclamation of the word. If you remember, Jesus is giving these exhortations in the midst of, of increasing opposition. And so his disciples are trying to understand why is this happening? Why is this Jesus here who proclaims his message to all the people and yet they do not believe? Why does his teachings not have any effect on them at all? Why are they not responding despite what he says and the miracles that he performs to validate who he says he is? So Jesus tells a series of parables as a response to these questions of why the people are not responding. And essentially what he says is this. The problem is not with the preacher. The problem is not with the message. The problem is with their response of their heart. It's a problem of their hearing. And he punctuates that in the commands found here in this text. And he says, listen to what I'm saying. Pay attention to what you hear. Heed the word of God that is spoken to you. This is the responsibility to those under his word. And it is a responsibility that falls on each of us this day. Whenever the word of God is spoken. And I believe that it is an important word for us this morning. What we fail to realize at times is that there is a communication taking place at this very moment during the preaching of God's word between God and his people. The issue is that at times you may walk away from a sermon or Sunday school class or whatever Bible study or fellowship that you're in, and you find yourself saying, I didn't get anything out of that. And we want to believe that the problem is on the other end, and all the while, the problem might be you, namely, your hearing. J. Adams, he said this. He says, quote, some preachers do in fact speak poorly others spend far too little time preparing still other times preachers spend a lot of time doing all this exegesis to give the church all the meat in the bible and it becomes this running commentary lecture like discourse under the guise of expository preaching these problems and others like them are an important part of the larger problem of churches today christians aren't getting much out of preaching but the problem isn't only in the pulpit, it's also in the pew. As a matter of fact, not only does the listener have a role to play in the momentous occasion on which God speaks to his people through the mouth of a preacher delivering his word, but the scriptures themselves say more about the listener's responsibility to hear, understand, and implement the message than about the preacher's obligation to faithfully preach it, end quote. See, there is a responsibility on both the preacher and the listener. And I want to say at the outset that, you know, we know that we're not the most gifted preachers up here. And we need to continue to grow, and we need to be diligent to work on our preaching. And we are thankful for the graciousness of our church family See, but it is when both preaching and listening are done well and according to God's instruction that it edifies all those involved and it makes for a healthy church and it pleases our Lord. But this morning, Jesus has us look to one half of that equation and that is to listen rightly. This invariably is the responsibility that our Lord places upon each of us. I want to ask you a question this morning, and hopefully before I lose some of you, and possibly before you fall asleep, and that's a problem in itself, and we'll talk about that later. But this is really important, and it's to take spiritual inventory of your life. I want to ask where you are in your faith as it relates to the Word of God. Do you walk away each Sunday and the teaching has no effect whatsoever upon you and you're getting little to nothing out of the preaching and you're not growing as a result? And has it been like this for some time? Where again, you go from here and little is happening here. Do you walk away from Sunday school and you are more obedient to God's word because of it? Do you walk away from Bible study and fellowship and it becomes a means to helping you overcome sin in your life and helping you pursue Christ more? Are you loving more like Christ loves in your home and in your schools and in the church? Is your resolve to follow Jesus stronger than it was before? Is your testimony for Jesus Christ growing in your life? And you're feeling more compelled than ever to share the gospel in this world. And are all these things happening in your life as a result of the teaching and preaching that you come before week in and week out? And if the answer is no, there's a problem. And as I said, the problem may lie with you. I want you to understand that growth and change and fruitfulness in your life, as is described here in verse 20 of Mark 4 in this parable, it cannot be assumed. It doesn't just happen. There are conditions for your growth. You can be at a place where you are under the best world-class preaching in the world, and that does not assume that change will be affected, just as it wasn't assumed even under the Lord's own teaching. But how we are to be among those who don't merely go to church, but are actually sanctified by truth, as those who walk away being more godly, being the godly man and woman that God wants us to be, for those who come here and are changed, how we are to do this is that we must pay attention to what we hear. And I'm convinced that how we listen to a sermon will have a profound difference in our encounter with the word of God and the God of the word. So that's where we're going this morning. It will be a little bit more practical than usual. I think it's needed because if you look at the Christian libraries that are out there, so much has been written on the preacher's responsibility to the word of God, but very little is written on the hearer's responsibility. And I know for myself that I was never taught how to approach the teaching and preaching of God's word as a Christian. And so, I found myself so many times as a result of my ignorance, I didn't benefit from the teaching ministry of God's word as I could have. And so I trust that this morning's message will be a means of helping you. We draw three truths here as it relates to rightly responding to the teaching of the word. First, we see the precept. Our Lord, he gives a command and a responsibility to those who come before his word. And what is it? Verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Our Lord says to hear, to pay attention, to consider carefully what I say. In short, he says, listen. Jesus speaks to this duty of ours as believers to the word of God. And what Jesus says is not unfamiliar. See, for his disciples, it would have brought to mind this command that's found all throughout the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Isaiah 1, verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 1, go to the house of God, not to give sacrifices, what? But go there to listen. Psalm 95, 7, today, hear his voice. See, anytime time the word of God was being spoken, the response from the people was to hear it. In the gospel accounts, in the transfiguration of Jesus Christ, When our Lord appears in glory, what happens? Right? In that moment, the voice of God is heard from heaven. And what does God the Father say? Luke 9, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Our Lord gave this command frequently. You look at our text, and just as he begins to teach in chapter 4, verse 3, he says what? Listen. And in the middle of his teaching, he pauses again in verse 9 and says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he repeats it again in verses 23 and 24. Listen. Pay attention. Jesus would often command this of his disciples. And it tells us that there is an important relationship between listening and our faith. For in fact, we came to faith by way of hearing. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Salvation comes through means of hearing the gospel, believing in it, receiving it. See, our Christian life begins with listening, but the Lord is telling us that it continues with listening as well, to being quick to hear and slow to speak, to give attention to the word. It is an instruction from God for believers. It's found again and again in the Bible that when God speaks, we are to hear. And I know this sounds so self-explanatory, This makes sense. This is logical, right? That when someone speaks, there is an expectation that the other person will listen. But verse 23 assumes that those who have ears don't always hear. Why God has to repeat this command time and again is because we have a hearing problem. We don't listen. We don't pay attention to what we hear when the word of God is taught. There are so many factors to this. Now more than ever before, we live in such a fast-paced world of information and emails and texting and instant messaging and social media. We have smartphones, right, at the palm of our hands. And amidst all of this, our attention span has shortened as a result. NBC News conducted a study that showed that the average attention span today is eight seconds. The average attention span of goldfish is nine seconds. That, that <laughs> says something. And it continues. That 43% of people abandon a lengthy email in the first 30 seconds. 32.2% tune out long-winded people after 15 seconds. 55% of internet users spend less than 10 to 20 seconds on a website. You don't need these statistics to tell you this because you know for yourself. We live in a generation of sound bites. And it tells us that we need to shorten the preaching to accommodate for the times in which we now live. These so called experts are saying sermons and Bible studies shouldn't be any longer than 15 to 20 minutes because at some point, no one will listen anymore. See, when you're here, there's already so much working against you to pay attention. We give in to distractions. We're checking things on our phone while the preaching is going on. We let our minds wander and disengage and start thinking about other things. And think about lunch and which sports team is playing today. And what you have to do for the remainder of the evening. You're thinking about work. You're thinking about everything that's going on in your life. And so that while you're here, your mind and your heart are not here. Another factor that contributes to our hearing problem is I believe that we also have a wrong focus when it comes to the teaching of God's word. Notice what our Lord says here in verse 23. And this is so easy to overlook But he says, pay attention to what? To what you hear. Jesus is saying we need to consider carefully, specifically that which is being taught. We are to focus on the word. We are to pay attention to what you hear. And yet, how often do we pay attention to everything but what we hear? There's a temptation in our hearts to pay attention to the preaching style, to how long the sermon is, if it was interesting or not today, if there were good stories that were told, if it was funny, if it was engaging, the focus becomes about how relevant the preaching is and if the preacher was articulate, and whether he communicated well, and if he felt like you got something out of it. What happens is that we often are in our seats and we assume the role of a critic. And we set standards and expectations and preferences. And then we make judgments about the preacher and the preaching based on our criteria. So that too often, what happens is we make it all about whether the sermon was good or bad or okay. Our conversations often go in that direction, doesn't it? And it's so easy to do, and it's tempting to fall into. These things become our focus, and all the while, our Lord says, Pay attention to what you hear concerning the Word of God. See, what we are listening for when the Word is preached is not primarily practical and how to advice. Although Scripture teaches us much about our everyday life, it's not about listening for messages that build up self-esteem, and some, unfortunately, they're coming here and they're looking for positive messages, something that will inspire them, something that will be motivational. We're not listening for messages that are just to stimulate our minds and never getting to our hearts. I like what one pastor says, and he says, rather, quote, as members of Christian churches... We are listening for the voice and message of God as revealed in his word. We are listening to hear God speak to us the things that he has in his omniscient love written for his glory and our blessing. Listening for the meaning of a passage of scripture and accepting that meaning as the main idea to be grasped for our personal and corporate lives as Christians This is what we mean by expositional listening. There's an important truth that Pastor the Beatty here is conveying. Someone once put it like this in this fanciful story. If somehow Jesus was coaxed to come down from heaven because the world wanted a word from him and Our Lord agrees, and he will make a short appearance at a particular location at a particular time. And so everything is set up, and the press and the media and the cameras are all there from all over the world waiting in, in anticipation for the day that Jesus will return and he will give commentary on what's going on and he will give words to impart to everyone and he will give us his will. And so the story goes that Jesus comes down in a ray of light and with a thunderous sound and his appearance was full of glory and the crowd gasps and the cameras are rolling and Jesus steps up to the microphone and he holds up a Bible and he says, everything that I have given to you to know for faith and godliness and guidance is here in the word. I have also given you my spirit to help you understand the word and to apply it in your life. If you want to know what I want to know and what my thoughts are, to do what I want you to do in every decision of your life, it says study this book and live out the principles of it, apply it in your life by the power of the spirit. And then he vanishes. See, the truth is, the God that we worship is a personal God who desired from the beginning of time to have a relationship with humanity and to communicate with them. And he does so through means of this book. This is his inspired word. He reveals for us what we need to know and what we need to do in order to relate to him through his word. So that whenever a preacher is faithfully preaching God's word, it is God speaking and not the preacher. It is why there are all those commands that we looked at to hear and to listen and to pay attention Because God is the one speaking through his word, and we ought to listen, and we ought to obey. See, that's the sort of listening that we're to have. So when we come here to this place, we come together to encounter God and to hear from him. And we don't want to treat this time lightly. It is why the preaching time is central to our meeting. Because it is his word, Jesus is putting those who hear him in this moment under great obligation. See, hearing from God through his word is unique. It is unlike anything else you will ever hear from anyone else. Realize that so much of what we hear each day and we read, And the places that we go to are, uh, these things require no obligation of us whatsoever. The things that we hear every day in our lives are nothing but just background noise. Superficial, temporal, with no eternal implications. But not so with these words. These words from the Son of God place Every one of us under great obligation. We must realize who is addressing us at this moment. And it is why Jesus gives us this precept to hear and why we ought to hear. Our Lord continues and he elaborates on how we are to listen to the word. And he does so through the form of a proverb found here in verse 24. This is what our Lord says in verse 24, and he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. This sounds familiar, right, because we have similar sayings as well. And what Jesus is saying here is simply what you put in is what you draw out. What you will invest will be your return. What you sow is what you reap. You sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. This is the principle here, and it applies to all areas of life, and this is true in the spiritual realm before God's Word. How you respond to God's Word now it will affect your response to the word later. I want to tell you, if you have no interest in the word during the week, you will find this time uninteresting. If you come here with a critical spirit, with a bad attitude, looking to find fault, you will always find fault, even before the holy word of God. If you come here and you are merely a hearer of the word and not a doer, this time will simply be an academic exercise, something to fill your mind with knowledge, but brings no change or fruit in your life. See, the measure you use will be measured to you. However, if the measure you use is to be in the study of God's word during the week, to listen to it regularly, and you are faithful to apply it in your life, it will be measured to you, and it will result in a greater capacity to receive truth and to experience fruitfulness in your life. If you cultivate a desire for the word, you will be satisfied always, no matter who is preaching and how bad the sermon is albeit that person is faithful to preach the word. If you come with a teachable spirit, you will learn. For the measure you use it will be measured to you. The way you hear in this very moment can either increase or decrease your ability to hear from God or not. Jesus is impressing to all of us this morning that how we prepare to come before God's word has great implications for what we get out of this time. So that the attentiveness that we give to the word will actually determine the effect of the word in our lives. Let me just give you a few suggestions for how we can prepare to hear God's word how we can cultivate good listening and put in during the week so that we can come and take out during this time in our hearing of God's word. Firstly, come with a humble, teachable, expectant spirit, fully expecting God to speak to you through his word in ways that will make a lasting difference in your life. The psalmist expresses this longing in his prayer. In Psalm 119, when he says, Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. And that should be our attitude. It should be that you just can't wait to see what you're going to learn and how God is going to use his word to convict, to encourage, and to change you. See, when you come before God's word, you must be concerned about one thing. What does God have to say to me? And again, our focus is on God. View preaching as a transaction, not merely between yourself and the preacher, but between yourself and God. See, the preacher is a means to that end. So go expecting to hear a word from the Lord and when heard obey it and he will change your life. That's what we can anticipate. Second, get enough sleep. And those of you know there is a direct correlation between sleep the night before and attentiveness the morning after. Some of you have heard this statement before, but Sunday morning worship doesn't begin Sunday morning. Sunday morning worship begins when? Saturday night. There should be a preparation that takes place the night before for the most important day of the week, which is the Lord's day. And we need to make sure that we get enough rest so that we can listen well to the Word. And I know that this is especially true for those of you who attend 8 a.m. service, and maybe you're just joining us on this Sunday, just as an exception. But, you know, it's difficult uh, to be alert, to pay attention, to hear already as it is. But it's especially hard 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And the thing is, whether it's 8 a.m. or even 11:10, 10 okay we see you we see almost everything up here and after preaching for so many years I know the struggles to stay awake during the church service and it's a funny sight. I, I can't laugh while I'm preaching but it's funny okay we see people just dozing off during different parts of the message okay some sleeping and then they snore themselves awake right? We we've seen that Others doing the head-bobbing thing and they're praying for an hour, okay? Um, And and the thing is, you see people, they're sleeping and they're trying, you know, they're trying to stay awake. Others, not so much trying, okay? It's It's not very subtle at all. Some very overt, they're just, they might as well just bring a pillow, okay? And the thing is, it doesn't bother me, okay, that you might fall asleep sometimes. And there's grace because we have all been there. And I sympathize because I know how hard some of you work. And some of you are young parents, and there have been a lot of sleepless nights. For some of you, there can be issues going on in the home. And when you get here, and uh, maybe my voice, I, I don't know, it's very soothing. Uh, uh, yeah, the <laughs> PH's voice is actually very soothing, okay? But the truth of the matter is that some of the most godly of saints have fallen asleep during worship service. But when it starts to be a concern is when it's a pattern. And one week becomes almost every week. And you're no longer trying anymore. And it doesn't bother you that you learn nothing. And it makes me concerned, where are you in your faith? It makes me ask, are are you growing in godliness? Is there some sort of biblical intake that you have during the week that causes you to walk closely with the Lord and grow in your love for him? Because obviously that intake isn't happening at church. You can't get anything out of the sermons if you're not awake. But we also know it's not just even those who sleep. Even those who stay awake, sometimes I see you and you look so tired. And that will invariably affect your ability to listen well. The issue, again, is needing to rest. The thing is, I can't tell you how much sleep you need. It's different for every person. Our bodies are all different. We are all in different seasons of life. But you know what is enough sleep and what is not enough sleep. But on Saturday night in particular, we want to err on the side of getting enough rest so that we can be attentive on the most important day of the week and the most important time of the week, the time when God is speaking to you through the proclamation of his word. So how can we cultivate an attentive spirit when we sleep? Third, prepare your heart for Sunday morning. Prepare your hearts for the hearing and receiving of God's word. Do you notice that on Sunday mornings, there are so many distractions upon us as we attempt to come to church and to worship than at any time during the week. And, And for some reason, it seems like all of a sudden, we're more prone to sin. Husband and wife can be romantic and be loving and enjoy the blessings of marriage all throughout the week. And then for whatever reason, argue, have conflict over little things on Sunday morning. The kids have been pretty obedient during the week, and then for whatever reason, they're difficult on Sunday morning. You can be walking closely with God during the week and be in communion with Him, and you feel pretty godly, and then come Sunday morning, and you're stressed. You're running late, you can't find parking. Everything seems to be going wrong, and then you show up here and you come unsettled in your heart, angry, flustered, and you're not ready to worship. See, Sundays become at times the most stress-filled times of the entire week. We seem so much more susceptible to sin and to anger, to impatience, to a cold heart, and then we We come here, and we try to hear God's word, and it perpetuates that struggle to listen because of everything that's going on. And I want to tell you, it's not coincidence. Indwelling sin and the enemy is active on Sunday mornings to oppose and to distract. See, whenever the word of God is preached, there is a spiritual battle going on. As we saw in the parable of the soils, the last thing that Satan wants is for you and me to hear the word. And so he and his demons do everything in their power to distract you, to tempt you, to snatch away the word from your heart that it might not take root and grow and bear fruit. We need to prepare our hearts for the hearing of God's word. Still yourself before him, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Wake up early and slow down and pray eagerly with Samuel. Speak, O Lord, for for your servant is listening. Cast your cares upon him. So you can have your heart be made right, that you can come to the Lord in such a manner that would honor him. Spend time and dwell upon his word. Saturate yourself with those thoughts as you come to service. Pray for a humble heart to receive his word. Maybe just one more. Reflect on what you've learned. Devote time that Sunday or during the week or whenever it is that you were before the teaching of God's Word and review what you've learned and how you've been doing in that particular area and share maybe things that you were convicted of. There are times when me and Carissa will have a chance to do this and. And it's at least a few times a month because, right, I'm sitting where you guys are for most of the year as PH preaches. And so even as I share these things with you, I share as one who is listening alongside you. But me and Carissa, we will try to discuss and reflect. And I'm not saying that we're perfect at this. And it is hard. And we don't do it as well as we would like to. Because the challenge, again, is moving beyond just a critique of whether the sermon was good or bad, or mm, right? But instead asking, how does it challenge us? How were we affected? What application are there for our lives? Sometimes we, we might not get to a point where we can share in that sort of depth, and so we just might share an encouragement about both the sermon and the Sunday school class that we went to. But I want to encourage you, make this a habit to do with someone. As you are in God's word, as you are in fellowship with others who will hold you accountable to the word, as you prepare yourself to come before the preaching of the word in these ways, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. As you put into the hearing of God's word, so shall you receive, and it will have effects upon your life, and I guarantee you that it will make a difference in how you hear the preaching and the teaching of God's word. Third and lastly, we look at the promise. This leads us to the promise, and here's the thing, if you're following our Lord's train of thought, as you sow. Right? You will reap blessing. As you're faithful to put in, God will give a return. But here's the thing. Our Lord will give a return, but not just equally. Because at the end of verse 24, it says, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. Right? This speaks to the grace of our God. The Lord... Says that he will not just give in proportion to one's effort, but is overwhelming in his grace to give to others as we cultivate these things in our lives before the hearing of God's word. Our Lord will give us more. The question then is give us more what? Namely, himself. What Jesus is speaking of here is tied to what he has said in verse 21. And let us kind of walk through this. Look at verse 21. Our Lord says, And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Okay, what is this lamp all about? Okay. Again, if you remember, Jesus is speaking to his disciples In the midst of opposition. Jesus has come as king. And he proclaims his message of the kingdom. And he calls for people to repent and to believe. And yet the people do not believe. And again the disciples don't understand why. And so Jesus tells these parables to explain to them. There is a unique nature about our Lord's coming. And the kingdom that he comes with. And he tells them these things to reassure them of his ultimate triumph one day. He speaks of this lamp, and this is no ordinary lamp, for this is the lamp of God. This is Jesus Christ, and he has come. And however, as we're told by Jesus, that he is presently come And he is temporarily hidden. He is veiled. He is concealed. But our Lord tells us that one day, his identity will be made manifest to all. But not today. For presently, his identity is largely hidden from the multitudes and the religious leaders. The secret of his identity has been graciously revealed by God, but to only a few. However, what is presently hidden to most one day will be unveiled to all in glory. Because God did not send his son and the kingdom to be forever concealed. For what is hidden is meant to appear, and there will come a future day, and the manifestation of Christ at his second coming And his mission as a sovereign sower in in this parable here will conclude. And the harvest of every tribe, tongue, and nation will be reaped. And he will be revealed as the sovereign one, as the Savior and Lord, the King who comes to establish his kingdom and rule over all people. And he tells his disciples these things to assure them. And have them understand that things won't get better until it first gets worse. As our Lord makes his way toward Jerusalem, the opposition to both he and his disciples will heighten. And as you know, our Lord, he will suffer. He will bleed and he will die for that is the purpose for which he came. He comes to take our judgment that we deserved as sinners against God. But our Lord, he rises again in triumph over sin and death. And he offers salvation now to those who would repent and believe. For now, Jesus has hidden himself from them in some ways, and even today. But he's saying that what is hidden is meant to be manifest. And one day it will be. And that is a great encouragement for us, is it not? Because you can be here, and you can be discouraged today. As we look at the world around us and we see everything that's going on, we see unbelief in Jesus Christ, we see hostility and persecution toward Christians and those believers that are truly suffering for the cause of Christ. And it makes us feel weary. These parables are intended to encourage the church, to reassure believers that the coming of the kingdom, though it is difficult to see at this time, it will be made manifest in an extraordinary way at the end of the age, when Jesus Christ, who is king and who was veiled, will return once more in glory. In the meantime, our Lord has given us This word. And he calls us to repent of our sin, to believe upon Christ as our Savior. And the Lord says to those who hear this truth, who respond to his word, we will be given salvation. We will be in the kingdom, and we will have a relationship with God. But then God says here, As we continue to be diligent hearers and doers of the word, God will give more of himself. He will give us his grace. He will give us more blessing. It won't just be measured to them according to the measure they use, but still more will be given, he says, because he is a gracious God who is eager to give to his children abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. What happens is God will continue to reveal more of himself to us to show us more of Christ, to have us know more of him, to simply have more of Christ in our lives through his word as we listen now. And we will continue to receive more of his blessing unto the consummation of all things when the lamp that is hidden will appear as Christ returns and he will bring in his kingdom in glory. This is a promise to those who hear and we wait to receive in full on that day. But the passage concludes with a warning, and our Lord, he finishes this thought, and he says this, from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What our Lord is saying is that those who fail to respond, to repent and to believe in the gospel, even what they have will be taken away. Our Lord is saying that if you fail to respond, if there is continued indifference to what you hear, the inevitable result is increasing hard-heartedness and deafness and unbelief. But the Lord is merciful, and he has allowed for you to hear his word this day to hear his gospel, to hear that Jesus Christ has come to save you from your sin and to bring you into the kingdom. And the Lord is calling for those who have ears to hear, to listen to him, because he has the words of eternal life. Let us do so. Let us, with those who have ears, hear his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have made us hearers and listeners of your word. We have come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, and what a privilege that is. It is a grace that we do not deserve. And we pray that we would continue to pay attention to what we hear from your word that we would know you more, that we would be more like Jesus Christ, that he might be exalted in our lives. Lord, we ask that you would help us with this by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.